Well, good morning, church. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good morning. I think we need to up the coffee intake. Good morning. Yay, there we go. Well, we're so glad that you are in the house of the Lord with us today. What a beautiful day. What a wonderful day it is to give praise to our Lord and, and God, our Savior, our Messiah, our Yeshua. And so we're just so thrilled that you're here with us online or in person. Now, I wanted to just come because I wanted to introduce this young man. He is a precious gem to our church. And if you've never met Jared, uh, he is just, he oozes the love of Christ and hospitality and graciousness, servant heart. He is just a fantastic man of God. And we are so excited that he's been on staff with, with our discipleship program this last year. And we've been watching him grow and so excited he's going to share the word with us today. And so exactly... In gateway fashion, we celebrate each other, don't we? We cheer each other on to the max because that's the kind of people we are. We honor one another. And so I want you to honor him big time before he even gets started. So he's got that like Holy Spirit boost and injection in him. So yes, let's welcome Jared. Like Kimmy said, I'm Jared. If uh, you haven't met me, you've probably at least seen my wife. She's the one that does the announcements because that's the scoop about what's happening at Gateway. Uh, I get to do Jonah chapter 4. I just really quickly want to go over the earlier sermons in the series because this is the end of the series. Uh, chapter 1 was done by Greg, and he preached about the Jonah in us, how there's a little Jonah in all of us, and how sometimes we feel like running away from God. Chris Kenna talked about the penny drop in chapter 2 when Jonah is in the belly of the fish and he thinks about, you know, what's happened in his life and decides he wants to turn towards God. Then Kimmy preached on chapter 4, God's grace. He saved an entire city. Not a one person didn't repent when they heard the message. And I get to do chapter 4 and I'm titling it Repenting of Repentance. And if that's confusing, don't worry, my wife was too. And she said, hang on, Jerry, we should probably talk about this before you make that. And I explained it, and then she was like, okay, all right, that, that's okay. So the explanation will come later, don't worry. Um, I just quickly want to talk about why you should take the book of Jonah serious. Because sometimes something hits us called the VeggieTales factor, where you think about VeggieTales and you're like, yeah, it's a children's story. Um, Pretty sure Greg touched on this too in chapter one. He said, yeah, you should probably take this a little bit more seriously. It's a little bit of um, a dreary story. Um, I read lots of books preparing for this and lots of them had reasons why we should take the book of Jonah seriously, but I'm just gonna give you one. And that's because Jesus recognizes it as divinely inspired. And that comes from Matthew 12, chapter, or chapter 12, verses 38 to 41, and I'm doing all of my verses today out of the ESV version, just so you know. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, 
so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. With that, let's head into Jonah chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open to it. Um, we will have the verses up on the screen. Uh, can I get someone to get me a cup of water? There'll be a lot of reading today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Jonah chapter 4. But, oh, sorry, chapter 3. Remember, Nineveh has just repented, and um, Jonah's left the city. He's gone out to watch it from afar and see it get destroyed. That's what he thinks is going to happen. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? No answer from Jonah. Jonah went out from the city, sat to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant, and it's, that word appointed is the same word in Hebrew used for the storm in chapter 1, and the same for the fish. The fish was appointed, the storm was appointed. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Thank you, Dwayne. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. The Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand? and also much cattle. When I read that last section about should I not pity Nineveh, I, it's not direct wording, but think about what Jesus said on the cross. Lord, forgive them. They know, they know not what they do. While studying the book of Jonah, I came across some poems by Thomas Carlyle. Um, he was a philosopher in uh, Scotland in the 18th century. I'm not going to read the poems to you because I know not everyone loves poems as much as me, but I'll give you the gist of it. Um, all the poems are from Jonah's perspective, so it's not necessarily uh, Thomas Carlyle saying, you know, this is what I think the message is. He's just looking at the life of Jonah and what he thinks is going on in his head. But he goes through all the chapters. Each chapter has its own poem. And when it gets to the city of Nineveh, Nineveh repenting, Jonah starting to get angry. This is what Jonah thinks in his mind in his poem. Men repent even in ashes, but repent again of their repentance. He does not have faith. 
from the Ninevites that they are going to be faithful to God. He might even think that maybe they don't deserve the grace that has been given to them. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, sure, Jonah, he has the right to be angry. Um, like jo like uh, Greg said in chapter 1, he probably had family that was slaughtered by the Assyrians. But really quickly, and there's not a slide for this, but you can write down this verse, Galatians 5, 19 to 20, and this is the same area of Galatians where we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, what the evidence of living in the Spirit is, and then Paul gives what the evidence of living in the flesh is. These are just some of them. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and the list goes on. Fits of anger, like what we see Jonah in, and the fits of anger that I have when I, I, I'm a very scheduled person. I like to be on time for things. My wife is not so much. And I, and to be honest, I get in a hurry in life. And when I'm in a hurry, I sometimes get angry at my wife. And to be honest, last night we were going over that kind of stuff and I was repenting to my wife about it. You can hold me accountable to that, by the way. <clears throat> so his anger is not the work of God. And your anger is not the work of God as a work of the flesh. Very quickly, I just want to talk about Jonah as a whole so that you can kind of see where I'm coming from with my coming points. The book of Jonah is full of humor and irony. Starting in chapter 1, we see Jonah running away from God, goes to a boat full of Gentiles who do not worship Yahweh. They worship many of their own gods. Yet, when the storm comes and they see God comment, they stop and they repent and they worship Yahweh. Not, not just Jonah's God, but in the Hebrew it says that they repent to Yahweh. Not just a God, the God of Jonah, Yahweh. And then chapter 2, we see um, Jonah in the belly of the big fish. And you read his prayer, and it's kind of like a halfway repentance. You know, he talks about, you know, those Gentiles with their idols and stuff. It sounds like maybe he's still a little bit angry. But he does, at the end, come to the idea that maybe I haven't been worshiping God. Maybe I haven't been obeying him. And he says, God, I will worship you, and I will sacrifice for you. Then we get to Jonah chapter 3, continue preaching on the grace that was given to the Ninevites, and 120,000 people and their cattle, all of them, like I said, not one dint, all of them repented and worshipped God, Yahweh, not a God, not the God of Jonah, but the Hebrew says, No sooner do we see Jonah walk around the great city of Nineveh preaching that it will be destroyed, as Kimmy was telling us about the Hebrew translation, it could be destroyed, it could be overturned, changed, transformed. 
which we see that they do become transformed. They are not destroyed. He gives the worst sermon of all time. In your Bible, it might be seven words at most. In Hebrew, it's actually five words. And he just went around saying that, talking about their destruction. No mention of mercy, repentance, or grace. And yet, these people got the message and they turned from their evil ways. Then we get to chapter four, which is where I'm mainly preaching out of. Some of your Bibles may have a title for chapter four, something about Jonah's anger, but I want to argue to you that Jonah was more than just angry. He was hateful, hateful to Nineveh, hateful to the Assyrians, and maybe even just hateful towards Gentiles in general. I mean, we hear about in his prayer how he thinks of the sailors. He still is not you know, perfectly okay with them. Now think about who Jonah was, a Hebrew, grew up as a Hebrew. That means probably by the age of six to eight, he had the Torah, the law. That's the first five books of the Bible. Memorized. And on top of that, he's chosen and appointed by God as a prophet meaning he was hearing from God, hearing from the Holy Spirit. So he knows God. He knows the things that God has walked his people through, saving them out of Egypt, splitting the Red Sea, even when the Hebrews in the desert didn't want to obey God, went against his commands, still had grace on them, still brought them to the promised land, and even through the promised land, still had grace and mercy on them for all the times that they disobeyed. Yet, Jonah, knowing all this, um, throws it back in God's face. In Exodus 34, 6, Moses is getting the, the law, the two tablets, the Ten Commandments. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord... A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's own words. He promises that. That is his character. He's telling you very, for one of the rare, rare, one of the rare times that he does it, he tells you directly what his uh, character is. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So according to Jonah, God's grace and mercy are the very reason he decided to run. Not because he feared uh, a horrible death at the hands of the Assyrians, but because he didn't want to be a device, he didn't want to be a conduit through which those people might receive grace and mercy. This is the part that really scared me, that spoke to me deeply, strikes fear in me. And to be honest, I'm not usually a fearful guy. I, I don't mind collecting the spiders out of the bathtub or jumping off the back of a horse. Um, I've never done bungee jumping, but I think I could do it. But this puts, this puts some fear in me. Jonah reveals to me that I can be fully aware of God's grace, mercy, love, and his promise to forgive those who repent and worship him. And yet I can be so full of rage and hate towards someone or a group of people that I willingly step over that love and grace 
All the while, I convince myself that I'm still on the side of God. This is the point in the sermon where you think about, is there anyone that I hate? Is there a group of people I, I hate? And think widely about it. Like, yep, I hate the conservatives. I hate the liberals. I hate anyone under the age of 25, they're ruining this country. I hate anyone over the age of 50, they've ruined this country. You laugh, but, but think, have you let those emotions seep into your heart? God asks Jonah a question in verses 9 and 11. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 peoples who do not know their right hand from their left and so much cattle? No, we aren't missing a page of the book. This is how it was intentionally ended. We, the listeners or the readers, have to come to answer God that question as much as Jonah. I, I really hope that Jonah came to realize his folly and repented of his anger but we just simply don't know but this story is here for us to reflect there's a it's a bit of a mirror it's one of the only prophet books where it doesn't talk about what usually usually what that book of a prophet would be is the prophet just telling israel or another nation what's going to happen a very unique book and where we get a narrative of the prophet's life. This is the next gut-wrenching part. And some of you have a testimony like mine where you were saved from death. Either it was going to happen to you or you were going to do it to yourself God saved me from death just like he saved Jonah from death in the belly of the, of the fish now what if my hate, my anger towards that person or that group of people turned me to unrepentance like Jonah in that belly of the fish recognizing he needed to worship God sacrifice for him learn grace and mercy as it's been given to him what if I repented from that because I was so angry in fact Jonah says you should just let me die he was so angry that God you shouldn't have saved me you should have left me at the bottom of the water you should have just let me die I'm too angry to give the mercy and grace that you've afforded me. Should have let me die. That is extremely terrifying. I mean, like, I, th I think about that for, 
for Brian here in front of me. Like, I just could not imagine you turning back on your repentance. That would be scary. Brian, by the way, is a super graceful, merciful man. He, uh, he's often in the city with Denise and their kids, serving the homeless, um, serving addicts. Uh, they were saved out of that life. There's some other people in here that have a very similar story, and they continue to serve the people in the city. They're full of grace and full of mercy. And I would hate, oof, better not use that word, it would bring me great sorrow if something entered their lives that made them so angry and so hateful that they would turn their back on that. Think about the good work that's happened in your life since you've been saved. Think about all the people that your testimony touched. Turn them to repentance. I, I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I am trying to ask you to continue to believe in God's grace and mercy so that we can continue to see the good work that he's doing through you in this community, in this church. Now, what I'm about to say doesn't apply to everyone in this room. Some of you are living in the love and grace of Jesus quite well. I think about Brian, um, who at one point said that uh, his, his wife sometimes gets annoyed that he doesn't get upset or hold grudges or anything like that. That even if he had like a bad business deal, he would forgive that person and sometimes would even forget, like right out forget that they ever did anything bad. So if you're like Brian and, you know, you don't need to listen to this part. God bless that man. He's in our church. However, if there is someone or a group of people that you feel hate or anger towards, I plead with you to deeply consider the consequences of that rage and hate. If you allow it to fester inside you, you may well find yourself like Jonah, repenting of your repentance. Not only that, but as you hate, as you get angry with people, you make them your enemy. And eventually you find yourself sitting at a table of enemies when you should be sitting at a table of brothers and sisters. There's a song that comes to mind that my wife introduced me to, and um, I don't have it here for us to listen, but if you'd like to write it down and go listen to it later, it's called Brother by The Brilliance. And it talks about, in the face of my enemy, I see my brother. And some of you that is like very direct. In the face of my father, my biological father, I see my brother in Christ. In the face of my brother, in the face of my sister, in the face of my cousin, in the face of my uncle, in the face of my aunt, in the face of my neighbor, I see them as my family in Christ. It's very convicting. It, reading, through, reading through my message multiple times, reading through the book of Jonah, I was like, Lord, please reveal to me if I have this in my heart. 
And especially, I urge you, if that person or those people are in this room, right now you have full permission from me to walk across to them right now and say that you apologize or repent to them and hug them and love them and say, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. Because we're a family here. We heavily believe that. And honestly, sometimes, like, when at the end of the service, everyone's out in the lobby, I'm like, very true. This is a family. I see you all gabbing and laughing and hugging and sometimes crying, sometimes praying with. We're a family here. And it would be very sorrowful if that family was ripped apart by some hate, some anger. At this point, I'd like to invite the prayer team to come up to the front and the worship team to come up. I'd like to give time to seek God, to praise him, thank him for the grace and mercy he's had on your life. Pray for others. Pray for those in your family that are in hate, that are in anger that they might be free of it. Praise God that Nineveh was not the last city to be saved from their evil ways, but one greater than Jonah came and provided the ultimate sacrifice and saved all peoples of all cities. That is Jesus. I'm going to give the closing announcements, and the worship team is going to play prayer team is here the prayer team is available online and then you just stay as long as you want those announcements very quickly are on Wednesday there's a bonfire you can register online on the gateway website second is please collect your kids you don't need to be in a rush because we're ending a lot earlier than normal I managed to keep it to um, about 30 minutes and the last is you're coming to on-ramp we're going to have it in this very room in this section and i i can kindly ask after the song about five or ten minutes after the song if we can clear out this section here and stack tables roll or stack chairs roll out tables and set them up for on-ramp if you'd like to help i'd appreciate that to anyone i'm going to pray and then please join in worship and join in prayer jesus we praise you for your sacrifice, that you're so graceful and merciful that even to the people that hung you there, you said, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Take that deep-seated anger and hate in our hearts for that person or those people. Pull it out, draw it out. But Lord, leave Leave that wound open for just a moment so that your Holy Spirit can come in and touch that deep part of our heart and heal it. We want to draw close to you and to your love and your mercy and your grace. In fact, Lord, we're excited to offer it freely to the people in our community, to our families, those who don't believe.
as gentle as you were with Jonah, I believe you continue to be gentle with us now. We thank you for your gentle and tender heart, God. We praise you. Give your son the most highest praise. In his most beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen.